the Jackson Cloud. I'm Jamin. I'm Olivia. And I'm Casey. And today we are talking about more stuff within our series on spiritual gifts. Now go back through the last few episodes to learn more specifically about spiritual gifts. Now we're kind of talking more like the biblical concept behind kind of like supernatural spiritual gifts all those types of things. superpowers he's meaning to say superpowers now if you're a super nerd like casey then that makes sense to you speaking of nerds 1208 bit church is part of the jackson cloud network if you want to play video games and do church monday nights from 5 30 to 9 and uh the 1208 bit nerd church podcast is part of our network which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts as well as this episode and many others. And sometimes we play Among Us. And that as well. So, you know, Jamin's always sus. It's true. They always kill me. Uh, but as we continue our spiritual gifts conversation, today we are going to talk about um, God's presence throughout the Bible. Because in our last episode, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is empowerment upon us and how the Holy Spirit is... Uh, involved in creation. One of the things that we didn't talk about is how the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us as well. So, where in the Bible do we first see God's presence interacting with humanity? Genesis. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Sorry. Um, Just saying, that's where we first see it. It's true. Where at? Genesis. Be precise. Uh, the garden. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. So when we read Gen- when we read the like creation story, a lot of times today we're always picking fights about evolution versus creationism, which was not the fight that they were picking in their own time, right? They already knew stories about. Uh, all different kinds of gods creating the world. And so they're writing into a form of literature. You both yawned as soon as I said that, like, oh, ancient stuff again, here we (laughs) go. Literature. (laughs) Literature, literature, when you you say that word, I just start yawning. I'm sorry. Please, no. (laughs) We have to learn today. (laughs) So ancient people had literature, just like we have literature. So if I... We can't help it. You know, I did that last one on purpose. Just no, I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> so if I wrote sci-fi, would ancient people understand it? No. No. Like, they don't even have, like, the understanding of half the things that I would reference. Speed of light, you know, anything like that. You know? Yeah, they don't have science yet. Exactly. In the same or way, lasers. if you haven't read... Ancient Mesopotamian creation accounts. <laughs> huh? Would you fully understand is what? This, is this your normal pastime of ancient Mesopotamian? Sometimes. <laughs> Casey couldn't even remember what the third word was because it was so big. It was so big. I could. But if you haven't read ancient Mesopotamian creation accounts or any other uh, societies at the time, do you think you would fully understand like the? The Hebrew creation account? Probably not. Probably not on the same level, right? Because you don't know, like, what do other peoples look like? Whereas 
if I read one sci-fi book, like I get an idea from it, it's like, ooh, I'll borrow that in my thinking over here, take this, take that, piece it together. We're all creating like a, a thinking together, right? Um, because we all become familiar with the concept of sci-fi. Uh, in the same way, the Hebrews have beliefs. They believe who God is, and they believe that he created the, the entire world, not just some of it, like some of the other creation accounts say, where there's this God of the water and this God of this and God over here and this one usurped this other God, but they believe that there's one God who made it all. So they're gonna write their own creation account, but the like ideology that they're communicating is different. Just like some sci-fi things are gonna write like, the world is only science, there's nothing spiritual. And then some are like, we were in space. And we came across a ghost. I don't, you know, like <laughs> it starts kind of blending lot. So like they're both teaching different ideologies. In the same way, the creation story in our Bible is saying, we all understand this genre. Let us tell you who God really is in ways that we all would comprehend. Okay. So anyways, one of the things that they're communicating is that God has a temple or a presence or a space in the Garden of Eden, because in other accounts, when God rests in a place, like there's some overlapping themes of like, God has rested here, uh, you know, Sabbath happens at the end, God rests, and, and so like Eden becomes like a holy place, it's where his presence is. How do we know that? Because I sound rhetorical, us. I sound rhetorical. Well, what happens next in Eden? I mean, after it's been created, yeah, he rests. He rests. So we see that, and then God just like walks around in Eden, right? After Adam and Eve sin, like you're expecting a voice to come from heaven, but it doesn't. Adam and Eve hides because they're like, we heard, we heard the sound of, of God walking in the cool of the day, you know, like heard his footsteps. They, yeah. So like that's how close they are to his presence. God is right there with them, in a physical form of sorts. We talked about that in our last episode. You have to revisit that because I ain't getting into that all over again. I'll rabbit trail for too long. Wait, <laughs> wait should, we, should we link it? Link it down here. Down, down here. here? Okay. Down here. Every time we link it up there, it's like gets in the way of our heads. Uh, so anyways, as Olivia said, in Genesis, right at the beginning, the Bible is communicating to us that God has like this sacred dwelling place in the Garden of Eden, this special place that he's carved out for himself, right? What happens to us though? We sin and then we're cast out of the Garden of Eden, away from God's dwelling place. Like we're not allowed in there because we're sinful now and we'll corrupt it or bring corruption into this holy, sacred, righteous place. So, where does God's presence show up in a way that it did in Eden next? Like, if that was where God's presence was tangibly found and you can't get back in, does it show up tangibly somewhere else in the Bible where everyone yes. expects it to be? Um, um, the Ark of the Covenant? Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, right? See, I was thinking before that might be Mount Sinai. Uh, yeah, so we do come across his presence on Mount Sinai. 
mountains throughout the Bible are always thought to be places where spiritual beings lived because the heavens were literally up there, earth is down here, and mountains kind of like met the middle ground. So the spiritual beings might be able to just like walk it down. So that's, that's the way that they thought. So Mount Sinai becomes kind of a sacred spot, but um, it, it doesn't seem to be like the tangible locative place where God's presence is. The Ark of the Covenant right. seems to carry that. Well, I was trying to figure out the next one you said. So I was trying yeah. to go in order. Well, so we have to be honest. When we read, we get glimpses of God's presence showing up here and there uh, in front of a uh, burning bush which actually it says the angel of the Lord is in the burning bush. Um, see our last episode. Uh, but uh, there's <laughs> down here, bring it down here. Thank you. Uh, the angel of the Lord shows up in the burning bush. And so like there's this encounter with like a sacred spot to the point that he's like, Moses, take off your shoes. This is sacred ground, right? So we do come across sacred places locative spots where God's presence shows up. But the next like big tangible kind of return to Eden would be in the tabernacle where Ark the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant goes, which is thought to be like God is not inside of it, but sitting on top of it on the seat on it. Uh, on the angel seat. Well, yeah, because what, there's two cherubim painted around this seat, right? So I'm waiting for the brownie <laughs> points because I know that from one of his past sermons. Yeah. And so just as like in when Isaiah sees into the heavenlies, he sees two cherubim or seraphim protecting God's throne. When they drew the Ark of the Covenant up, it's expected God sitting on it. And then there's these two angels like guarding him, these cherubim. So, so yeah, but this becomes a new place where God's presence is. But now they're sinful. They can't get close to him in the way that they used to. Only certain uh, people anointed for the task can. At certain times. At certain times. So God is going to go with them, and they're going to bring this mobile Eden around with them. Wherever they go, they set up camp. They put God's, God's like symbolic and even literal presence into uh, this uh, a temple, this tent that they built. It's like the first mobile church, right? Uh, they set up inside of it, and then um, God's presence is tangibly there to the point that, like, only some can go in it only once a year for, like, the big, like, ceremony. There were legends that it's a scary time. I, I haven't fully found the source on this, but I've heard it a hundred times that, like, they would tie a rope around the leg of the person who would go in because they might die when they go in there. They might have to drag them out, you know? Like, that sounds like real Indiana Jones type stuff. <laughs> what? You mean it's not just going to melt your face if you look at it? Well, we need to ask a question. Have you seen Indiana Jones? Yes, I've seen it. Hey! All right, all right. I, some of them, at least. Have you seen this one that we're referring to? Covenant? Yeah. You sound real sure about no, that. No, it's the Crystal Skull one. That's the one I've no. seen all the way through. No, that's... Oh, no. Don't say that. That's not the one we reference. Right. That's totally the one with the Ark of the Covenant in it. That's, no. That's aliens, man. Yeah. yeah, I know. The Ark of the Covenant is in the, is in the, is in the room 
and it gets knocked over. And it's like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, there's the Ark of the Covenant, and they didn't even talk about it. Is it, does it play a bigger role in one of the other movies? Uh-huh. <laughs> very, very, very much so. Yeah, in one of the other movies, it is the role. That's what it they're It is the entire, th- like, it's the big thing. <laughs> So she only gets half brownie points now. Yeah, now actually, <laughs> you get brownie points deducted. Because, <laughs> okay, this took an interesting turn. Though. I'm so sad. Um. Anyways, what are we talking about? Presents, uh, mobile presents, right? Mobile church. Okay, so that becomes God's sacred presence. Uh, humanity is still sinful to the point that, like, they still mess up this place. Uh, when Hannah goes to the tabernacle to pray later on, uh, she's crying. And does anyone remember, like, the priest's first assumption of why she's crying? Nope. No. She's drunk. <laughs> she's actually crying because she can't have a baby and she wants God to give her a baby, which he does. Wait, so there, his original, how many times does he get drunk people that come in? That's exactly the question you should be asking. <laughs> like, because the, the priest's first assumption of a crying person in a sacred place is, ooh, she's drunk, right? <laughs> so, and not, did they have that many sad drunks back in the day? They must have. I mean, Israel falls apart over and over again, and this was clearly part of that time. Likewise, his sons, who were supposed to take care of this sacred place, uh, seem to be like having sex right there in that sacred place around it, something. Uh, and then there's even like uh, um, when you make sacrifices, the good stuff goes to God, and then the priests live off what's left because that's part of like how they're sustained. God takes care of them mm-hmm. when people make like tithing, right? You tithe to a church that helps take care of your staff, but also you're being generous to God when you're doing things like that. Anyways, that's how messed up it's gotten. They would eat all the best stuff. They didn't care about keeping it for God, anything like this. So this this is the background for the prophet Samuel's story. Hannah's going to give birth to Samuel, and then Samuel's going to kind of try to lead people back. Even though Samuel has kids who also are bad. <laughs> so... Is what it is. Anyways, um, they're treating it just like, you know, they send in Eden. We see that they're sending right around God's presence again. Uh, They even try to, like, just use God for their own gain without, like, referring to him. They'll just take the Ark of the Covenant out to war when when they want, thinking, like, yeah, God serves us, not the other way around, things like that. Uh, And then... Finally, we have a a new transitioning from God's presence in Eden to God's presence in the tabernacle, this mobile tent, to God's presence in... I know it, but I'm seeing if... (laughs) That's exactly what someone who doesn't know it would say. No, I know it. I'm just seeing if Casey knows it. That's exactly what I'm saying. The temple. Yeah, okay. So Solomon's temple. I did know it. Ha! Proved it. So we do know that God is everywhere, right? He's omnipresent. However, the Bible does actually point out these pictures that he has locative presence areas too, that some places are more manifest with his presence. That fix your face problem you just I had mean, there. 
Your your word choice was un unusual. More manifest in some places. Locative manifest places. I was like, what? Well, we've all sensed this. Like, it sounds weird to say, but then we say it all the time. Like, oh, church was so good today. God just really showed up. Manifest place. Yes. Right? Like, that's the Holy Spirit shows up, and we all have this sense, like, God is here. Maybe there were more miracles happening, healings happening, a deliverance happened. Whatever the case may be, like, it felt manifest. It felt, though God is there when I walk outside of this room, <laughs> when I was inside that room, something shifted. Right? That's common expression in the church. Um, but yeah, so uh, the temple becomes the next manifest place. David's like, God, I want to build you a temple. And the prophet, he asks the prophet, should I do this? Can I do this? And the prophet, thinking, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Why not? Says, yeah, I think out of his own heart. And then God tells the prophet, he's like, no, David can't do that. <laughs> uh, and so the prophet has to go back to David be like, uh, actually, sorry, you, you can't. <laughs> uh, but God's, why? Interesting fact. Because you're a man of war, if I remember right, like there's blood on your hands. We usually celebrate David for his violence. Apparently the reason he couldn't build a holy place was because of his violence. Just saying, think about it. Um, uh, <laughs> so death and destruction everywhere? No, the not death the and destruction. opposite of that, Casey. So the next thing though, um, is your son Solomon will build my temple. Solomon is an anointed, uh, or sorry, Solomon then is given the task to build the temple. He does it, and God's presence comes in. And part of the way that we can tell God's presence comes in is because when they built the original tent, when they finally knew God showed up, is because they had finished building it, and then a glory cloud, a cloud just like entered it, and everyone like left because. <laughs> Like it was just clear, like God had gone in. Like they could, they could sense that. They knew that. You know, whatever. And then after they build the temple, sorry, after they build the temple for God to dwell in, they're having a huge worship service. They're sacrificing more animals than ever. There's like a several hundred person band playing a choir of sorts, and and they're just throwing a fiesta when that cloud shows up and it says the priest could hardly stand to minister. So there you go. You have the cloud enter again. It's left one and come to the other. Now, when you get to the New Testament, we see God's presence, not in a temple, but on, not in Jesus. on Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit uh, is not, um, we don't have any stories throughout history of that cloud entering the temple of Jesus' time. That was a different temple. It was a new temple. They were hoping that it would be like the, the, like the new Like the old temple, but well, even, new. Even better. Uh, even one of Jesus' disciples, when he looks at it, he's like, Wow, look at those rocks. <laughs> like The rocks that they used to build the temple are so like outrageously huge that you're just like, How on earth, you know? And Jesus' response to this, like, beautiful thing is like, yeah, 70 years this thing will be torn down. <laughs> it's just like, like Jesus isn't seeming to look at it as like a very sacred place at all. In fact, he walks in and creates a whip and chases people out and throws tables over. Like he's, he's mad about what they've 
Done to it. Done to it. Like even if God's presence was thought to be there, like this is how they would treat it. You know, it's like they may not be sleeping with the ladies there or trying to um, eat all the good parts of the meat, but corruption has now shown up in a different way, in a financial way and a political power kind of way and, and abusing the poor and widows to um, get what they want. So like, it's again, like here's a sacred place and then here's all these sinners right outside, like treating it for gain, God's presence for gain or whatever. But yeah, and Jesus, uh, what does he say? Like, destroy this temple and in... Three days. Yeah. So they're all like, again, huge rock temple, right? Like, you're going to rebuild this place by yourself in three days? No, because he believed that the temple was actually... Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the temple. And then Jesus... Dies, gets resurrected, goes to heaven, asks the Father to send the Holy Spirit to us to the point that Paul calls us what? Temples. Temples, right? We are, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and part of the reason that he gets into that is because he's he actually starts talking about like, so you need to treat your body as sacred space. You are, just as God's presence was in Eden, just as God's presence was in the tabernacle, just as God's presence was in the temple just as God's presence was in Jesus. Now, in the most exciting narrative of history so far, as I said in our last episode, the Holy Spirit, God's presence... We've already had two links to it. You can find the other links later. <laughs> God's presence is upon us. We are the new temples. We are the new place for His Holy Spirit to be. And so... We, uh, we have access to God's presence in a way that people throughout history have not. Because this is the new thing that God is doing, is living in all of us as Christians to, to not only empower us, not only uh, create us, but also, as we see now, to be God's presence, Jesus' presence with us through the Holy Spirit. And so that becomes important because presence throughout the Bible is a biblical theme. And uh, yes, God is present everywhere, but sometimes he is more present and, sorry, more manifest, uh, just as you see no, all throughout no, no. the Bible. It's almost Christmas. We're allowed to say present. If you don't know... Oh, no, that's not a Christmas shirt. If you don't know, Olivia is very Christmassy, like all year round, just... Same. Okay. Anyways, God's presence presence is with us, and that makes us something very special. Uh, and you don't find you can find him in churches when he shows up more locatively, manifestly. But you can find him with you right now. That's all the more reason that you can prophesy, heal, cast out demons, so on and so forth, because God's locative presence is in you. When Jesus died, a few things happened. There was an earthquake. There were... Clouds rolled in. Clouds rolled in. Tapestry was ripped. Tapestry was ripped, right? What used to be behind that tapestry? The presence of God. The presence of God. So even if God's presence wasn't particularly in that temple when the tapestry was ripped, we get the point. So God's Holy saying Spirit is, is unleashed. It was like Captain Planet and the power is yours. No, it was as if the floodgates had opened. 
Both of these are good, but because he used to be a youth pastor and I've heard this analogy before, I'm gonna give him a chance to own it. I mean, so in the sense of like, you know Captain Planet comes together when the five rings are- Who's Captain Planet? Oh no! Oh. Forget it, it's not gonna work! <laughs> He's our hero. He'll bring pollution down to zero. Wait, what? Have you really not seen this episode? No, 